Hey guys, um, today I'm excited. I have here with my me with my friend Anna Hines, um, or Anna King now. Sorry, it's <laughs> all good. Yeah. Um, so how I know you, it's a little complicated. I think I grew up, um, started being homeschooled, and I knew about Christ in the Arts, which is what uh, production that you were involved in that your family started, and a lot of people. I uh, started going to Keenan Prep or private school. And a lot of people that were in that also were in Christ in the Arts. So I didn't directly know you, but I knew about you. And then I think when Katrina um, was engaged to your brother, I kind of got to know him a little bit more. And so we're always kind of in the same circles, but not quite. And I guess it was only until recently uh, when I went to one of your uh, yoga um, classes. what do you call it? Yoga classes. Classes. I think it was a, a yoga in the park. Yes. Yeah. It was great. It was outside. Awesome. It was beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, we, we met and we talked. And so we got to know each other a little more. And so I really love uh, the things that you're um, passionate about. And so I thought it'd be great to have you on and uh, talk about those things. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Kendall. I, I um, love chatting about all of the intricacies of the mind-body connection and making friends with the body and all things health and wellness. And uh, it's just fun to have conversation, really authentic, vulnerable, honest conversation about the real stuff of life. And so I appreciate you inviting me. And I know we got to chat, sit down, you know, over coffee a few weeks ago and, um, uh, I kind of got to ask you your story a little bit and you got to ask me a little bit about mine and, and it was really refreshing because it's been a long time since I've been able to really dive into the story sort of from, you know, the origins till mm. now. Right. And so it was really fun to, you know, I'm not used to being on this side of the, <laughs> the being asked the questions. Mm. I'm usually the question asker. So this is refreshing. So right. thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. And and I just want to say that you're great at what you do and asking questions and holding space for others to tell their story. Uh, so I really appreciate that. And um, I also love to do the same thing. So Awesome. So great. Yeah, well, um, I know we have a lot of fun things to dive into today. So. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your story? <laughs> yeah, let's dive in. So um, from the context of making friends with your body and kind of um, the direction we wanted to go on this podcast. You know, for me, I think I have kind of an interesting uh, background because my parents were early adopters of um, some ideologies that are much more acceptable now, but, you mm. know, 40 years ago, <laughs> they were not. It was much different back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very different back then. And uh, they've always been seekers, and I've always mm. really appreciated that about them. Um, and they came from a Church of Christ background and kind of a more of the mindset of the basic script in life. And, and they were really willing to look at, is this truly life-giving and mm. is this truly God's path for us? And so um, I was born into um, a, a, a culture that was being created that was not typical. Mm. And so... That has, of course, its pros and cons, you know, right. because you're all kind of trying to work through it together. But mm-hmm. uh, my parents got into health right around the time I was born, actually. My my twin sister and I had some major um, uh, 
I would say major. For us, it was major um, health issues mm. that really pushed my parents towards looking at alternative options. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so um, the the doctors would say, "Well, they just have this," and my parents would go, "Like, what is that?" And mm-hmm. le- let's look at the deeper like root cause. Mm-hmm. So, my dad especially is really passionate about like what's the underlying thing yeah. going on and what's the root cause. I love that. And that's really, that's something that I'm very passionate about mm-hmm. and that I've always appreciated about him. And so um, so they started changing their diet. They started, um, and even prior to when I was born, they, they were spiritually seeking. And so they were doing a lot of home church type things. And, um, you know, my dad being in the Church of Christ, he had had a spiritual experience that left him really um, just seeking and open. And, and, and unfortunately, the people he was trying to get answers from as to what was happening, mm-hmm. those people were um, didn't really know how to help him. And so mm. he had to kind of go beyond the reef, so to speak, right. and, uh, and, and look for, for answers more broadly than he was used to. And so they were already spiritually seeking. Mm-hmm. And then this health journey was, you know, was introduced to them. And then, you know, on top of that, um, you know, every part of our life was sort of looked at from what's the most life-giving. So at the time, you know, they decided to homeschool us. And so that is, I, I have, you know, lots of, um, I think a, a really good foundation in many ways, but it was just definitely not the script. It was very different. Mm-hmm. And um, so getting pros and cons, there's not one right mm-hmm. way, but for it's definitely part of my story. Right, yeah. I guess it's got to be maybe less stable because you know, you're all seeking and you're not set on your beliefs or, or, or way of living or whatever, but there's more freedom and openness and maybe curiosity. Absolutely. Yeah, I have some really um, great memories of the process of of kind of finding what we were looking for, not just, well, we here's what we know is true, and we're just going to kind of stick to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely much more of a, um, I'm always, I'm always looking for like, what's the deepest truth about something mm. and maybe pushing the envelope a little bit yeah. further, you know, right. a little bit earlier sometimes mm-hmm. than maybe even some people are comfortable with. Right. But uh, I always appreciated getting to be part of that process of growth and change. Mm-hmm. And it got a little messy, too. Right. You know, right. there was a season of our life that that things were not stable mm-hmm. and they were very messy. There was some health issues that we were dealing with and we were kind of in survival mode for a while. Mm, mm-hmm. And so um, I do remember the first 10 years of my life being really just kind of happy and free and mm. good and very, very life-giving and very organic. And and then um, we were involved in a, a church group that was kind of a... I would say now that you would probably call it a cult, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it was, uh, it was very, it was very weird and Mm -hmm. we got out of it as quickly as we could, but that definitely had a a negative impact, um, on a spiritual level, you know, at, at that early age. And Mm. then my mom went through a really rough time because she, um, she went through a a traumatizing birth with a seventh child Mm. who passed away. And so after that, I would have been, let's see, nine at the time. After that, 
were what we call the tornado years. <laughs> like <laughs> the everything years. was very messy. Right. Yeah. So I'm right in the middle of like all of the things that my parents are trying to process mm. through and going through that those traumas and mm. trying to heal from them and figure out what's going on. And my mom kinda almost had a nervous breakdown and it was it was really messy mm. and it was really bad. And so I didn't really know how to navigate right. emotions in the teenage years yeah. and and I felt like very confused about mm. my emotions and about mm-hmm. my body and about like what's going on. Right. So mm. um, in my kind of teenage years, I developed an eating disorder that that I, I think, you know, when I look back, maybe you, you wouldn't necessarily call it a clinical eating disorder, but it was very, it was very um, obsessive to me. It mm. kind of, it, it, it took up so much headspace and took up so much energy that I remember not really being able to uh, enjoy my life and and even understand you know who I am and mm-hmm. and uh, even know what I love you know mm-hmm. so um, that that was a, a really challenging time for me and that really carried on through um, you know my you know twenties and and into sort of mid twenties I had just kind of developed a lot of obsessive um patterns and um i just didn't like myself Mm. there was just lots of self-hatred and i think what's interesting is that people would probably look at me from the outside and think she's got it all together or things are good for her or she's a happy person she loves jesus and she you know has health and all that and everything should be fine and so from the outside it was all looking great but on the inside things were just not good Mm. And so I, um, I, I do feel like that was the catalyst, though that mm. that search and that struggle and that um, that that sense of things are just not right that really pushed me towards moving further than what the tools were at the time that we had to work mm-hmm. with in terms of healing. Because mm-hmm. I've always just been passionate about healing. That's just mm-hmm. been something that's been, I think, not only bred in me but also. It's just in my spirit right. to do that mm-hmm. in the world, you know, uh, to be a part of facilitating healing or, or creating the environment where people can heal on whatever level. But um, the programming, I think, that I didn't, I wasn't aware that I was functioning in for those teens and 20s was if you have a problem, you need to deal with it spiritually and mm. physically, right. which... I'm really glad it wasn't just spiritually mm-hmm. because I see a lot of people, at least in maybe the Christian culture, say, you know, you just need to pray about that. Mm-hmm. But there's not tools given. Right. And that I feel very passionate about talking about, mm-hmm. at least at yeah. some point in uh-huh. this, because, uh, you know, it leads to even more condemnation and frustration mm-hmm. if someone's telling you, you just need to pray about that, right. or maybe you should repent, or maybe you should like try harder right? and there's not tools to interpret the physical and emotional uh, symptoms that mm-hmm. you're getting. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like maybe you're doing, you're, there's something wrong with you, but not like it's something that's just a wound that needs to be healed, but it's some like you're wrong, <laughs> you know, you're, right. you're, you're, and then if it doesn't get better, then what's wrong with you, you know, instead of like, maybe, um, 
there there are tools that you can be taught. You're just ignorant, you know, that you don't know about to to help yourself out and also not, you know, just pray about it. Um, that that it's 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 almost in a way taking away your power and what can you do to to work on it as well. But exactly also that it's it's not necessarily like all your fault that this is happening. Like it's just something you need to to work through. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like I interpreted all of these problems or issues as there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm, right. I I am either a willpower weakling or uh, I am at my core. Something's mm, messed right, up. Right. Maybe even beyond repair, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And when you have that mindset and you don't really know that these things these symptoms or these issues or these problems are messengers mm. trying to get your attention to lead you towards transformation, right. then you interpret it as something's wrong with you. Right. So you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And what I like to say to people is um, symptoms that you're getting, they're just information. Right. They're not condemnation. Mm-hmm. They're leading to transformation. Mm-hmm. So information, not condemnation, leading to transformation. Mm-hmm. And if people can just remember that, <laughs> then or at least begin to try to absorb that idea, then we can step out of the uh, that heavy mindset of there mm-hmm. must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Why can't I get it together? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And uh, something I've heard, and you, you tell me if this is right, or but about um, eating disorders is it's a... Um, it's a a striving for control. And so you're describing your teenage years and early adulthood and your parents are going through a lot. So maybe they're not there for you as much as you need, especially, you know, we know that teenage years are destabilizing and, and it's hard for anybody to deal with. And so um, it's kind of a culmination of, of that natural thing. Plus your parents going through what they yeah. went through. And so it's a very, uh, uncontrolled stage and so that's uh maybe unconsciously your body is saying like how can i take control um absolutely yeah. yeah it absolutely is is a control thing and um you know there's seven kids in my family <laughs> and <a> um <laughs> and there there's a lot of you know there is a lot of needs and a lot mm. of you know challenges mm. and and of course i have like like now since i'm a parent you know i have the deepest respect for my mm-hmm. parents right. and all parents out there because it's like suddenly you're, you know, this, this new like being is sort of thrust in your life and you don't <laughs> know this being and you're yeah. trying to figure out like, how do I help this child, right. you know, become the best that they can be. And it's just a lot. And then if you put health issues on top of that, it's mm. even more complex. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, um, I think I needed a lot more navigation through my emotional life mm-hmm. Um, and I needed a lot more just um, understanding of what was going on inside of me, mm-hmm. and and um, and but thank goodness it was pushing me towards finding some tools, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think anything and everything can be redeemed. Like mm-hmm. we don't need perfect parents; mm-hmm. we need uh, just opportunities along the way to discover what what's what are some tools and mindsets that will bring us most in alignment mm. with life, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, that's really what I, you know, I love to talk about. And so, mm. so yeah. Um, so the eating disorder really continued the, the 
um, I would say kind of emotional shutdown. Mm -hmm. I really was kind of head down, wings out in terms of just trying to kind of stay on the straight and narrow and be a good person Mm -hmm. and be who God wants me to be. But I was trying to fix everything with just nutrition, Mm -hmm. which anything nutritional obviously is going to help in lots of ways. But it wasn't, it wasn't the end all in terms of, it wasn't what my body was calling for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I began to discover was that the eating disorder and the, my body image issues and all of these emotional issues that I was having, it really wasn't about the, the, uh, symptoms or the eating disorder or the food itself. It wasn't about any of that. It was about emotions that I didn't know how to process. Mm. It was about beliefs that I didn't know how to process. Mm. And it was about learning how to, again, come more in alignment with who I was meant to be and how I was meant to function in the Mm. world. And those, and, and those quote unquote issues were actually leading me towards the right path. So Mm -hmm. in that way, you can say we can be grateful for any issue that comes our way because if we're open, it'll lead us exactly. Yes. You know where we need to go. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, in my kind of mid, mid to later twenties, I'm trying to remember what year this was, but, um, I, um, discovered a, a modality called theophostic prayer ministry. And, um, at the time it was, um, it was something actually that my dad discovered and he was like, Hey, I think there's this thing you might be really interested in. And there's this meeting you can go with me. And anyway, we checked it out and it was essentially, um, a therapist who had learned a new way of working with the any traumas or um, just the inner work. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a therapist who had done a lot of work with trauma, but he was not seeing the results. And so he, God really showed him if, if you can just do the same process that you're doing, but when you layer all the way down from emotions to memories to beliefs, instead of inserting the truth, why don't you just let me talk to that person? So that was what God was essentially showing him. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just ask me, like, what's the truth about mm-hmm. this? And so this guy did that, and he would he just had incredible results. People would have what they would call like maintenance-free victory, meaning they could have struggled with some sort of big trauma for years and years and years, and then they would do this process, and in one session they would see, like, oh, I know the truth now, mm. and I just am not having to struggle anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I was really drawn to it. I did not know the first thing about emotional intelligence, Mm. not the first thing. (laughs) And I thought I was like, I thought I was doing pretty good. Like Mm -hmm. I really thought I'm good. Like I'm, I'm pretty smart. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, you know, emotionally aware. I was not, (laughs) I had no idea uh, how shut down I was, but in order to be the facilitator for this process, you had to um, obviously do your own work, and so they would oh, match. Do what? <laughs> I said, "Oh man!" Yeah, I know. I was like, "I was like, this will be fine. I don't have that much to work on." So I literally—I <laughs> like to tell this story on myself because it's so funny. But I literally sat down with my facilitator, who was going to work with me on my stuff, you know, and I said, "You know, I've honestly had a really great life." Obviously, that was dissociated, but <laughs> I mean, I have had a lot of really right, great things, right. but you know, not taking into account these major emotional issues mm-hmm. I'm having. And I was like, you know, I've honestly had a really good life. I don't really know if there's much here, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm open and yeah, yeah. And the facilitator just had the sweetest 
eyes and she just kind of looked at me and just kind of nodded and she said okay we'll see (laughs) (laughs) and I was not prepared Mm -hmm. and that was not prepared for what would ensue but it was it was wonderful and it was very freeing but it's hard work you know Mm, when you have to confront uh, the beliefs that you didn't even know you had Mm-hmm. Or the memories that are in process that you didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. Or the the surprising things that come up, you mm-hmm. know? And the what, unconscious. Yeah. And the unconscious. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what the unconscious right, was. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what subconscious mm-hmm. mind was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we do this process several years. I, you know, I got my own healing and in lots of ways. And then I became a facilitator and did that for a while. And so really in my later, I guess I, it was somewhere around 30 um, I, um, I was really enjoying the, the theophostic process, but I was noticing that it, it just took a little too long. Like mm. it was a sessions would be two ish hours maybe. And it just felt, it felt like some of it felt too hard. Mm. You know, if someone had had really clear traumatic experiences, sometimes it would actually go a little bit faster because there was clear a clear memory, right. a clear thing that happened, and they would receive really clearly from mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. It would be very straightforward. Mm-hmm. But if it was someone like me who hadn't had like what we would call like trauma, as in like big T trauma, right. you know, big T trauma are the things we think of that are quote unquote trauma. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of little T trauma, mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. things that were hiding in the, the closets of my unconscious mind. And um, my little T traumas were very surprising to me because I had no idea how much they had affected me mm-hmm. and how much they were locking me down emotionally and keeping me from really being my, my truest self in life. So, um, so I was noticing that I was getting some good healing, but I was also noticing this, this pattern of not only for myself, am I not fully getting where I need to go? Um, uh, it, you know, on a emotional level, uh, I'm not quite, there's some things missing here, but I'm notice, noticing the people that I'm working with that, that th- there is that same dynamic. So I, um, I, I just felt like, okay, there's gotta be more here. Mm-hmm. And that led me, uh, oh, and the other thing was I couldn't heal my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I would get a lot of truth about, um, truth from God that felt very, very freeing, lots of visions, really neat stuff. Um, But I still, and I knew all about my triggers. That was the other Mm. thing. I knew all about my triggers. I knew Mm -hmm. what they were. Mm -hmm. I was clear on them. I had like the mind map of like, here's here's the whole thing. But I couldn't, I wasn't actually healing. I wasn't embodied. You know know mentally what's going on, but if your body isn't connected to that and it's embodied, then you're still not going to get anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if uh, if if that doesn't translate into the nervous system mm-hmm. and into the body, then it it is it's just not fully. Um, it's not all there, right. you know. And I just was like, I know that Jesus came not just for our spirit, but for our mind mm-hmm. and our body. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to leave that out, right? right? And I think. I, I had definitely left that out, uh, or I just didn't know how to, how to utilize it. So anyway, so I started really going down the track of what are some things that might actually help me heal at this deeper level. So, um, 
the the first thing that I found was something called EFT tapping, which I use to this day, emotional freedom technique. And that was actually the first thing that that really helped me with the eating disorder mm-hmm. because I had a tool in the moment that I didn't have to wait for my facilitator to work with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had a and it actually like connected to the autonomic nervous system mm. and connected to the body. Right. So I could be triggered and I wouldn't just stay in my head kind of trying to figure out where this trigger was coming from and what the belief might be and blah, 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 blah. I actually was able to dial down the stress response mm-hmm. and get back into a homeostasis. And so that was the first time that I noticed this like, oh, I am, I'm clear, I'm actually getting something to connect into the body mm. and into the deeper mind. So um, so the EFT tapping was a really big thing. Actually, my sister, Laura, found it. I have to give her credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I found, I discovered a cool modality called Emotion Code. Mm-hmm. So you found that? I found Emotion oh, Code wow. and she found the tapping. That's funny. Oddly enough, we are both doing these modalities, but it's flip-flopped. So. Right, now you do the tapping and she does the motion. <laughs> exactly, <code. laughs> yeah, I know. And she's so gifted at it. Mm-hmm. She's really, really good. But anyway... All that to say, um, that modality was really helping me, and I started getting into more somatic uh, mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So somatic, you know, being the work that is helping you integrate into the body. Mm-hmm. And for some people who've had trauma, whether it's big T or little T, or they just kind of get stuck in their head, you know, which is I think mm-hmm. a lot of I've the been Western there. world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally get it. Right there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, becoming embodied, meaning being able to even feel your whole body and be safe and comfortable and feel mm-hmm. the body or be able to notice when the body's giving you a signal and to know what to do with that signal mm. or know what to do with that symptom. I started really exploring more of the somatic work. So the EFT tapping, um, I became a yoga teacher. Um, I guess this was about, let me think almost 10 years ago. And, um, I, uh, I started learning meditation. Mm-hmm. I think that was my first introduction to, the body even though it can be you can do it i guess it depends on the type of meditation yeah you can do it very um spirit i guess um where it's beyond the body but you can do it very body focused and focus on the, the feelings and stuff of the body uh, yeah that's like the i guess the starting place of it and and that that really helped me that's awesome yeah the traditional yoga nidra mm, um right. you you some people might know it by names like i rest or it's right. a somatic meditation uh that is kind of like a mindfulness mm-hmm. meditation um yoga nidra can be really helpful for people actually learning how to feel their body right yeah. um and and vipassana i did lots of that too name for yes the, the one the yes focus on the vipassana. body yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so those kinds of meditation can be really good for just learning how to feel mm-hmm. again because mm-hmm. some people it's like kind of having to like melt the ice you know right, right. is kind of how it feels like yeah. i i'm disconnected i'm sort of cut off at the neck you mm-hmm. know so as you can imagine like all of those things like working through those things they're helping me be able to not just feel and sense, but know what to do with those things as those mm-hmm. ar- as they arise. Right. And so, um, 
every aspect of my life began to change. Like my relationship with food began to change, mm-hmm. my relationship with exercise, my relationship with my body image, just what I see when I look in the mirror, when I see pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, before it was absolute self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Like it was so much criticism mm-hmm. and so much discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so um, doing that work feels like connecting to wholeness. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm whole, I feel so much more whole every single day and it's just an ongoing process of um, feeling that that lightness and that life and that love not just in my spirit but then in my body and in my conscious mind and in my subconscious mind like all of it mm-hmm. not just one piece of it, you know. And um, so I'm just very passionate about that kind of um, integration mm-hmm. and that wholeness in every part. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I have a question. I mean, you know, you, you grew up in Crescent Yards and dance and stuff like that. And obviously that's very, uh, you know, you're working with the body. So how do you think that affected or did that make things worse or better or was it kind of both? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, I danced. Yeah. I, I left that part out of the story, but (laughs) yeah, I danced for about, um, Oh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. years. And, uh, it was very challenging. Like I really do have a heart for dancers because they, there is not only the stigma of the type of dancer body that you're supposed to have in Mm -hmm. order to be valuable, but you're in a leotard and tights, you mm. know, in front of a mirror all mm-hmm. the time. Like that is a recipe for lots of self-criticism and lots of body shaming. And mm. in traditional or, or more typical dance programs, there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of pressure, mm. and there's lots of eating disorders that go around in mm-hmm. in, in those dance communities, and uh, lots of issues. And I've worked with some of those dancers, and it's really challenging because. Um, on one hand, they're, you know, maybe they have a supportive parent that's trying to tell them we love you for who you are and all that. But then, you know, or even a dance teacher that is saying that, but then, but then there is the unspoken message, mm-hmm. you know, of right. you need to be thinner, you need to look a certain mm-hmm. way, you need to look this way in a costume, whatever. It's hard to fight culture <laughs> at Absolutely. large. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a mm-hmm. big, like really big challenge. And so, of course, Christ in the Arts is, a, is really big on like supporting wellness and health Mm -hmm. as the primary thing and really um, honoring all body types Mm -hmm. and supporting that. And so I'm really grateful for that. But, but growing up, you know, just even, even if it was the healthiest environment it could possibly be, (laughs) but it's still challenging, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I do think that that for me, I was already, I mean, I don't think it would have mattered what like sport or art I was in. Mm -hmm. I was already just disconnected from my body. Mm -hmm. I just, I was just sort of chopped off at the neck, Mm -hmm. like in terms of sensing and feeling. And Mm -hmm. so I was, I just was very much up in my head. I mean, that's what trauma does in general, right? It does, yeah. Because trauma is stored in the body. So whenever you get trauma, if you don't deal with it, then it it numbs your body and so the, you're disconnected to it, right? Exactly. That's precisely right. Yeah, the that that was a huge aha f- moment for me when I realized trauma stored in the body. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you feel the discomfort or the stress or the anxiety in the body, mm-hmm. you're going to try to get out. Right. <laughs> you're going to divert, you uh-huh. know, and you're going to try to find something that makes you feel less uh, uncomfortable, less mm-hmm. stressed. 
and everyone kind of has their thing, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like uh, fixating on an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's like it's going to be maybe something like drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. But it might even be like social media mm-hmm. or it might even be shopping or it might even be, you know, being a perfect performer. Like mm-hmm. people are going to fixate on something mm-hmm. and it it doesn't really matter how it looks, but it's still a diversion mm-hmm. from what's really going on. Right. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where should we go from here? Uh, well, so do you want to talk about, I guess, how started you back to the story of you found, uh, tapping and, mm-hmm. um, I guess where you went as far as like what you were doing with your life and how you became healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question. So, um, so in terms of more specifics on on how the like becoming healthy happened, you know, um, it's a process. You, yeah, you've probably seen that visual that says like what I thought healing looked like, and it's like a straight upward <laughs> incline, right, like right. like it's just straight up and. <laughs> And then what healing really looks like, and mm. it's like this crazy squiggly line right. that goes up and down and all mm-hmm. around, and you just think, where am I going and what is happening, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that really is is more more indicative of the process, but it is ever upward, which is good, you mm-hmm. know? But I definitely had some, um, it, you know, when you're kind of at the front lines in your, in your subculture of trying to figure this stuff out, mm-hmm. like you take some detours and try mm-hmm. to, you know? And so I definitely had like these times where I was, I don't, I didn't feel like I was, everything was fully healthy or I was on the straight and narrow, but I was exploring. So Mm -hmm. I was exploring anything I possibly could to try to figure out like, where's the truth? Like, where's the, um, where's the healing here? And where, and is there something about this? Even if man has taken it and sort of messed with it a little bit, is there an, is there some level of truth here? Mm. And so I'm really grateful for all of those even detours because Mm. they were very helpful for me to come back kind of to center. Um, But in terms of more specifically, if someone's like, where do I even start? You know, Mm -hmm. how do I heal? And um, I would say, you know, like the, the first thing I think is we do have to hold the paradox of understanding that we are at the deepest level already whole Mm -hmm. and complete and perfect. And there's a part of us that is all has already arrived and, and learning how to drop into that, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's that's through meditation or prayer or Mm -hmm. any kind of somatic experience, learning how to drop into that and come to a sense of peace about where you are right now and learning self love Mm. is vitally important. Mm -hmm. Because it can be very easy in, with all the tools and all the modalities to get into fix-it mode. Right, right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like constantly looking for how do I how do I fix myself? Mm-hmm. Even if it all looks like um, noble and good, mm-hmm. uh, just there can be a tendency to kind of get stuck in that fix-it mode. So mm-hmm. I think we have to hold the paradox of absolute like self-love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. And um, also the understanding that when we're working when we're doing healing work we're helping the mind both the conscious you know the iceberg above the surface so Mm -hmm. to speak and the subconscious the iceberg below the surface Mm -hmm. that you know becomes the autonomic nervous system and informs the body we have to help those parts and the body itself get on board with the truth right 
So to we be like, oh, I want healing, but your body's like, no. Yeah, you're right, right, exactly. Or, or you know, some people feel like, okay, they're they're on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm already whole and I'm already perfect and everything's good, mm-hmm. and they don't actually work on anything, mm-hmm. right? So they're very in touch with maybe their the their um, identity surrender. in Christ yeah. and yeah, or their surrender. They've got that going for them, which is really good. Mm-hmm. But the imbalance of it is if they've got all these symptoms trying to get their attention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Symptoms in their body or emotional symptoms such as stress or anxiety or things aren't working in their life. And they can kind of over-spiritualize it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't over-spiritualize it. Just like know that, that yes, who you truly are is already whole and perfect and mm-hmm. complete. Um, and there is this other, uh, these other aspects of you that need the transformation, mm-hmm. need the love, mm-hmm. need the attunement, need the listening, you know? Mm. And so, um, you know, you could also have someone who is flipped right. and someone who's so into like the tools and, and healing and working on things and clearing past patterns and clearing blockages and all the things, but they're not in touch with their, that, that true self and mm. that connection to Holy Spirit and mm. that identity in Christ, not really in touch with that. So mm-hmm. I find that people are tend to be sometimes in one place and, and not the other right. when it's we really do have to hold the paradox mm-hmm. of both at the yeah. same time, right? And so um, being able to hold the paradox of I am a whole and I am like at this deep level, I'm already good. And that took a while for me to come to, honestly. Mm, you know, right. I remember having a moment where um, I was um, I was really struggling with my body image and really just uh, struggling. You know, I wasn't really struggling with the eating disorder anymore, but I just didn't really like the way my body was. You mm-hmm. know, and um, and I just it was just still a uh, it had a I guess I'll use the word stronghold. Um, I don't know if I like that word or not, but <laughs> it, it still had a hold on me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, but, uh, and, and I was really struggling with it and I went, I'd had a session where it's like, I just had to like grieve that I, that this is the way my body wanted to be, you know, like, like I had to just let go of if my body never changes, mm. If it's just the way it is, and I have to come to full acceptance of it, can I live my life? Mm. Can I be fully present in the world? And can I just uh, absolutely love and accept who I am right now? And it was really hard because I could feel all of this stuff rising up that's like, no, 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 no. Mm. You can fix yourself. You can be someone different. And I had this ideal in my mind of what I should look like and who I should be. And I felt like God it was almost like there was this, it was sort of a misty kind of picture of who I, who I thought I should be. Mm. And it's like, it just floated away. And it was this really good image visual of like, you've got to let this idea in your mind of who you think you should be, Mm. especially who you think your body, what your body should look like. Um, you need, you've got to let that go so that you can really embrace the, the life that you're meant to live and mm-hmm. the truth of who you are. Right. And, and so, um, if you let that go, you'll be a whole lot happier, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of a pivotal moment for me of just, and I, I really honestly don't know if anyone else around me understood how big it was. Mm. It was huge. It was like, uh, mm. this moment of, okay, if, if nothing ever changes in my body and I just focus on, um, I focus on being healthy 
but I let go of this like idealism. Mm. You know what I'm saying? This idealism of I'll be more valuable if I look like this, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or if I, um, if I'm perfect, you know, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, whatever that means. So yeah, does that? Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's great. That's, that's beautiful. I I think there is, um, there's another paradox of when we let go of having to be this image, which like you said, often is more hazy than we think, Oh, I want to be this, but we we don't even know what that is. Then actually we can change more than what we, than when we were striving to become this image, which we didn't even know. But of course, like you're saying, you know, there's always limits and, and, and we have to reconcile with, with what God gave us, what, what, what we are. And so there's that, again, that surrender and that, push like don't don't just be satisfied and content staying the way you are um you want to keep moving but also um surrendering to 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 what god has for you which is probably better than what you what you want what your image that is 100 percent true yeah right on so um and I'm, I'm really glad you said that because what is interesting is as soon as i let go of that like image of who mm-hmm. i thought i should be I begin to notice that whatever did need to shift begin to shift mm. like naturally and organically mm-hmm. and, and slowly kind of like, you know, nature like shifts and grows and changes and, but it happens so slowly that mm-hmm. we really don't even notice. Mm-hmm. It's almost imperceptible shifts. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to think in terms of change, the right kind of change happening like that, mm. you know, sort of slowly and, yeah. and almost imperceptibly. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm Same. so impatient. <laughs> I, 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 what you're describing before, like, Oh, you want to change? You want to heal? Blah blah blah. I'm like, yes, I want it. I want it all right now. Totally. <laughs> and then and then I'm warring with my body, which is like, no, I need you to slow down and nurture me and take care of me and 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 go slower. And so, yes, yeah. And when I finally surrender into that slow process, then the change actually happens. Yeah. What I really found is that um, the body cannot heal in stress response. Mm. It can only heal in relaxation response. So another way of saying that is. You know, the, the, what it is that we're really looking for, we can only find it when we are tapped into peace. Mm. And so, um, even on, uh, just a basic, um, uh, physiological, you know, psychological level, when our systems in stress response, it, it kind of, uh, stunts, not kind of, it does, it stunts the healing work of the body. And so the, the signal that the nervous system is getting when we're in stress response and we're even like really trying hard or striving hard, that stress signal that's sent to the body is communicating to it that it's not a time to heal. It's a time to um, fight, you know, fight, flight, freeze, you know, mm. like it's time for um, maybe retreat. It's a time for not doing anything or it's a time for like fighting back, right? And so the, the processes, the millions of processes that happen in the body, um, those, those processes are not healing to the body when we're in stress response. And so it's actually counterintuitive. But lots of people don't know that because we have a push harder, strive harder, perform better mindset in our society. It's like, if you want something, you got to go after it. And my watch cry is like, actually, when you learn how to work with your body, you learn how to calm the nervous system, 
you learn how to come into love and in alignment with the body, then it begins to work for you, mm-hmm. not against you. Right. And the nervous system goes when you're in when when you're in that peace mode, the nervous system begins to heal and restore and repair so much faster. Right. The uh, the heart when it's in 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 stress response, it's in chaos, it's incoherent. Mm-hmm. And when that incoherence goes into the brain, it 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 even makes the brain kind of be more chaotic and you're stressed, you're anxious, and you're kind of like monkey mind and scattered and all those things. But when the heart is coherent, whenever you're feeling love and gratitude and joy and freedom and you are feeling good about your life, right? Then that sends a a, a coherent signal to the brain and the brain becomes more orderly mm. and that sends a signal to the body and the body becomes more orderly. And it's very exciting because it is a win-win on all levels, mm-hmm. but we have to change our paradigm. Right. You know, we have to look at it from a different lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to find, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, like if I'm meditation and I'm doing a body scan, if I'm feeling all these, this pain, if, if I, it's it's you have to find um some sense of 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 of, like you said peace or good feeling and then bring that to where you feel bad in your body and if you just focus on the bad alone then it's hard to do anything with that yeah exactly yeah so in the work that i do and there's lots of different ways of doing it so i love all the modalities and i think they all are valuable in the different ways um you know in the work that that i do um, what we do want to do is look at pain as a messenger, you know, and say, what is it trying to say to me? You know, and ask it the questions like, what do you, what's your message? Mm-hmm. Is there something that mm-hmm. you're trying to get my attention about? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we have to just rewire that. It mm-hmm. actually doesn't have a message except that the brain and body have become wired towards pain. Mm. And that's a very fascinating mm. topic because people can actually be experiencing pain, and I I have several clients that I've worked with who have gotten out of chronic pain, um, that that, uh, the the brain can actually be creating something that has nothing to do with a physical issue in the body. Mm. So typically, it's a negative or critical or sort of emotional um, program or pattern that has been ensconced in the body, Mm -hmm. and it's just replaying it. Mm So the body works in those patterns and those programs. And so we kind of have to learn how to rewire, re-pattern, and understand what is the message that the symptom is trying to say to mm-hmm. me. And so I think that's a very fun, fascinating, you know, interesting process for each yeah. person. And I think that uh, sometimes people can get um, scared of actually not feeling this pain because it's what they're used to. And also, like like I know myself, um, <laughs> in grad school, I was so... Um, push to to complete my work out of fear and anxiety and imposter syndrome, all this stuff. And so I really worked on getting rid of that stuff. And once I did, then I was like, oh no, now where's my motivation? So it's it's then cultivating the 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 good feelings that help you complete things you know Absolutely. so you can be scared of like oh i don't want to get rid of these negative things because they're what pushed me forward and helped me function in life in a weird way Absolutely. Yes. So there's something I teach in my work called crossing the bridge from survival mode to creation mode. And in short, 
you know, we are kind of programmed in this culture and it's really sort of reinforced to live in survival mode, mm-hmm. which uh, survival mode is like, you know, stress and anxiety and shame and guilt and fear. And we tend to be driven by those things because that's how we that's how we know, uh, or that's how, that's sort of the energy or the motivation mm-hmm. that we're used to using. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I made it through. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, I need, maybe I need fear in order to make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, uh, I feel like I need, um, stress in order to accomplish a task. Right. And so that is a kind of energy, but it's a very detrimental mm-hmm. kind of energy. It is a, it's like a short term cause it's going to burn you out and it's going to, like you said, make you fight. Yes, yes, exactly. And from an energetic standpoint, it's a very low vibration. So Mm -hmm. it's very hard on the body over time. The body wants the high vibration. Mm -hmm. It wants the high frequency. Um, So, you know, I I tell people, okay, so let's imagine that survival mode is a mountain. And uh, you're standing on that mountain. And that could be the mountain that you decide to die on. Or you can cross (laughs) the bridge. (laughs) Not everyone decides to cross the bridge. Mm -hmm. But if you do, there's all this support, right? And you can imagine that there's a suspension bridge from survival mode all the way across to what I call creation mode. And creation mode is the mountain that we all want to live in, right? Mm -hmm. Or or as often as possible. And creation mode is characterized by uh, gratitude and love and peace and lightness and freedom and all these things that we are wired to feel. That's our natural state, right? And so, um, but crossing the bridge is a very real challenge. And if you've ever been on a suspension bridge, I was I the first time I crossed a suspension bridge, <laughs> I was five years old and we went to Tennessee oh, wow. and there was this really cool suspension bridge. Mm-hmm. And the first step off felt very wobbly, especially mm-hmm. to a five-year-old. And mm-hmm. I thought, is this thing gonna break? Like what's gonna <laughs> mm-hmm. happen? Right. And that's exactly the feeling that you have when mm-hmm. you step off of survival mode. Mm-hmm. The first thing you feel is fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. right? Or fear of what's gonna happen if I if I am trying to use a different energy to keep me motivated in life, or I'm going to not operate out of this old survival mode pattern, but I'm going to try to 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 um, move into some new energy, mm-hmm. right? And so, what typically happens for people is they're doing the work to try to cross the bridge, and they get to the center of the bridge, and I call that the gray zone. And the gray zone is like I don't feel bad anymore, but I feel mm-hmm. a little bit like like sort of stuck in no man's land. Like I'm in the center of the bridge Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't feel necessarily good or inspired, Mm -hmm. you know? So we need different tools to get us from survival mode to the middle of the bridge and different tools to get from the middle of the bridge all the way to creation Mm -hmm. mode. So we have to build our energy. Mm -hmm. We have to, to find a new, a new vision Mm -hmm. for our life, for our health, for whatever it is we're working on. And we have to learn how to build an energy that will get us from gray zone to creation mode. Mm. And I think that's an unknown for a lot of people because they don't know that there's different tools that you need to get from, you know, get out of stress. But in order to not get stuck in that gray zone, like you're talking about, we need different tools that really bring in a new energy and really are very inspiring, Mm. you know? So um, I think that's a fear for a lot of people and it's really good to talk about it and demystify it because, um, then, then people know, like it's safe to leave survival mode and you'll get all the way over, you know, into mm-hmm. um, a new energy that feels so good to you, mm. you know? And and it's there's more energy, like there's more energy that is 
latent potential Mm -hmm. in our system. Mm -hmm. So much energy. Mm -hmm. But typically it just gets zapped by the stressors of life. Mm And there are thoughts and ideas and beliefs and, you know, obviously physical things, you know, food and Mm -hmm. environmental pollutants and all these things that zap our energy. Mm -hmm. But when we know how to build our energy, Mm -hmm. we're building this reserve of inspiration. And I have more energy now at 40 than I did when I was in my 20s because my energy was being zapped by stress response. Uh I think it it gets stuck, too, uh, because I've noticed um, like the trauma, it, it makes it get stuck. But then when I go in my body and I start to deal with that, it's like a, a release of energy. I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of energy here. It just got stuck in this one place in my body and it couldn't continue up. Exactly. Yeah. Learning how to release the energy, how to unlock it. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> awesome. Um, so how, how does yoga play into that? Yeah. Yoga has been awesome. I discovered yoga back in 2014 and, and, um, At first, I was a little bit nervous about yoga because Mm -hmm. uh, no one I knew did it. Mm -hmm. And there was lots of um, judgment around it. And people were like, oh, you're going to like be practicing Buddhism or something. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I just, I feel really drawn to trying this. Let me just give it a shot. So I did. And you know how there's a shavasana at the end of class where you just lay on your back and you're letting all that Mm -hmm. good work just gel in your body. That's the best part. I know. But but if you just do that without the work beforehand, then it's not the same. Exactly. (laughs) It's the magic of it, right? Uh Yeah. And I just really, while I was laying there in shavasana at that first class, I just really felt this, the presence of God and Mm. really just could feel this embodiment of of um, I'd cleared a lot of blockages in my system mm-hmm. where I I was feeling not just in my mind but in my my body and my heart and it's like these blocks were sort of like cleared through and so it felt like a very embodied experience with God and so I thought man there's got to be something here and so as I learned more about yoga what I you know really discovered is that the way that it's set up is set up so intuitively for that not just the physical body, but for the emotional body mm. to be able to clear through some of the blocks that we tend to get in our mm-hmm. system. And because of the breath work, that's very intentional, yeah, right? That's part of it. Yeah. yeah. And then working with like, it, it does work to some degree with like the energy, energy centers of the body, mm-hmm. which are um, centers of light and information that mm-hmm. when those are cleared, we're, we're a lot clearer in our system. Mm-hmm. They're centers of intelligence. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can say chakras on my podcast. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I call them energy centers <laughs> mainly because I don't want anyone to right. like have an automatic like we didn't no. talk about those things. I'm like, guys, yeah. they're like miniature brains. Like, don't freak out. They're miniature <laughs> right. brains of light and information. Uh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, things like uh, heart math and Joe yes. Dispenza yeah. is finding the science behind how different organs in our body have intelligence in them and the gut and how they speak to the brain and the and they're thinking and they're they're working for us as well. And I mean, obviously, we know <laughs> that all our organs are working for our body. So it just makes sense. Absolutely. It really does. There's lots of intelligence in that is in the physical body and the energetic body mm-hmm. that I didn't even know was there. It's like mining for gold. It's very exciting. You know, just knowing the the gut intelligence and the heart intelligence and like the pineal gland and like there's all these this really cool intelligence. And uh, if we if we live in fear, we'll never get to discover that. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But if we understand that uh, we understand that we're safe 
and that we will have we can have discernment you know mm-hmm. discernment's different than fear mm, you know right. discernment has a different energy than fear then you know what god showed me was like when you're not living in fear you're just living in in my love the world is like a playground of possibility yeah. and i love that because mm-hmm. i'm like we don't have to be worried about like uh you know the enemy around every bush we can mm-hmm. be like wow Let's head towards what is really life-giving and anything that's not. We'll have a sense about it, mm-hmm. especially the clearer we are, right? Right, right? It doesn't help us to not be clear mm-hmm. in these energy centers of our body, to not be clear in our intelligence and and, and uh, the, these different centers of intelligence for those to be blocked in any way. Mm-hmm. So yoga um, was also a really part of, you know, great part of my healing journey because it really helped integrate the body with a nervous system with my mind mm-hmm. and my spirit. It was, and really yoga just means yoke. Yoking those, these different aspects of our being together where you can feel it all together. Mm. And so mm. I, you know, there's still people that judge me for doing yoga, but it's okay. I'm like, why don't you just try it and mm-hmm. just, you know, see what you think. But if you don't want to, it's okay. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. But um, I do encourage people to, to try it before they, um, you know, judge it because, it is so healing. And mm-hmm. I think you have to look at the fruit of anything that, of you, right. what's what's the fruit, you yeah, know? Yeah. And the fruit has been incredibly healing for me on so many mm-hmm. levels. And mm-hmm. um, so that was a, a big part of not just helping integrate mentally and emotionally and physically, but helped me with my eating disorder, really helped me with, um, uh, with just feeling embodied mm-hmm. and um you know my body image that was part of help, helping shift that mm-hmm. that was one of the somatic experiences that really helped and so so yeah i love i love yoga and really movement in general yeah. but i i'm not a fan of movement that pushes people to a the, not not really be embodied mm-hmm. kind of get stuck in the head and ignore what's going on in the body mm-hmm. any movement should help people feel their bodies right not right. not disconnect yeah. from the bodies. i think that would be something that pushes them too hard or too much that well i mean i think it's it's good like like i like lifting weights sometimes um yeah but but if you do it too much you know or too hard then then again it's that you're at war with your body because your body's like this is too much and you're like no i need to just keep pushing myself and then that creates a really unhealthy relationship with your body and, and disassociates from it. Exactly. Yeah. We don't need to give our power away to um, the number on the scale or mm-hmm. the amount of reps we're supposed to do mm-hmm. or the minutes we think we should do or a certain number of miles or we don't need to give our power away to that. We need to be tuned into the power that's in the body mm-hmm. and keep the breath work going and be connected to the body, mm-hmm. keep learn how to calm the nervous system down so that it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's really more of the state of being that you're in while you're doing it. Mm. So I don't, I don't care what people do so long as they know how to breathe, Mm -hmm. they know how to calm their nervous system and they are not giving their power away to some external stimulus. Right. Right. And, and, and external, like you said, external, Oh, I want to look this certain way or blah, blah. It's like, you know, I, I can, I can say I want to look better, but not get stuck in I have to look this certain way it's more about my health than uh, an image that I want that is tied to my ego and my self image and what other people think exactly yeah because the ego um, the ego pushes but the spirit draws hmm. so 
like it doesn't mean that someone who's in this work couldn't couldn't look amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Or couldn't w- really want to feel incredibly strong in their body. But are you doing it in a way that's really healthy and life giving? Are you doing it in a way to like to to get to compete or right. to or is it is it ego based? Is it pushing mm-hmm. or is it life giving? And I mm-hmm. think what we have to do is notice the energy of it, right? Mm-hmm. What's the energy? Is it inspiring? Is it um, taking you upward? Or is it that pushy kind of, I want to be better than that person, mm-hmm. or I need to look a certain way in mm-hmm. order to feel valuable? Mm-hmm. What's the energy? And I think when we ask ourselves that question, we will know for ourselves, mm-hmm. is this a healthy thing, you know? Right. Because, I, you know, I don't just do yoga. I do, like I play soccer once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the Spartan, you know, obstacle, you know, course races. I want to try that. (laughs) Yeah, you'd be great at it. Yeah. um, And, uh, you know, run and um, lift weights with my husband. I want to do all the things now because it just feels fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And now my body is not, um, it's not sabotaging me. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel stressful to exercise. Mm -hmm. It feels liberating. But that's a big shift, right? Yeah. And when you can get into that healthy mode, then you can be like, oh, how much can I achieve? Can I push myself in a fun way? But also you're in tune with your body so you're not overdoing it and you know, creating unhealthy. The, it's a healthy form of pushing yourself to see how far you can go. Exactly. Yeah, for example, when I um, several years ago, uh, I could not run more than like half a mile and hate it. Like I hate it. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah. I was like running just felt horrible to mm-hmm. me. And I I kind of had identified or I'd sort of labeled myself as not a runner. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was in that kind of stress mode mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I started doing some of this work on my relationship with exercise, mm-hmm. but also my relationship with running. Mm-hmm. And I started just seeing the visual in my mind of myself running and feeling the feeling of, feeling light and free and energized Mm. and happy and really working with my nervous system to link that visual and that feeling. And I just, I would do it with my eyes closed and just kind of feel it. And I just, you know, would, would do the work on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And get into the, that inspiring energy, right. right? That inspiring feeling. Change your relationship to how you feel about running and connecting with that good picture of, of running and how it could feel good. And your body's like, Oh, I can kind of feel that. So then I can get it in line with allowing you to run and have this good relationship. With exactly. It. Yeah. And so it wasn't long after that, that, um, uh, I, some, it just naturally like kind of organically fell into place that someone started training me to, you know, working on like my, uh, technique and mm-hmm. all that and just did a little bit of that. And then I just, just focused on staying in the energy of that inspiration, keeping my nervous system calm. And I found I could run faster or I could run farther. And I was like, Oh, I can do two miles. Maybe I can do three miles. Mm -hmm. And you know, like the other night I ran five and it felt great. Mm, And that's a big thing for Mm -hmm. me because I'm quote unquote, not a runner. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's not like, it's not necessarily my body type or whatever, but, but it felt light mm. and it felt free and it felt inspiring, mm-hmm. you know? So I think we're all capable of way more than we think we mm-hmm. are. We just have to change the energy. We have to clear the blocks mm-hmm. and we have to um, learn how to get the nervous system in a state of peace mm-hmm. so that it feels fun, you right, know? Right. And of course you have to show up for yourself every day, right? Mm-hmm. You have to show up and you have to, mm-hmm. you know, put in the time, but mm-hmm. it is not from the energy of I'm trying to be something. It's more the energy of like, I just want to experience this. Mm. Like what's possible, right? Yeah. That's that's beautiful. That's great. Thanks. And that I think that 
that um, lesson in yoga is stretching yourself and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and whatever exercise or then it translates into life in, in whatever forms. It's like whatever, whatever comes our way, how can we get an ad to attitude of what does this has have for me and how can this stretch me and grow me? And how can I, uh, be in a uh, attitude of appreciation or love or joy, or like you're saying, um, you, about like uh, our traumas or whatever, like when, when bad stuff is raised, it, it's a message for us for telling us, um, you yeah. know, what, what we need to work on. So how yeah. can we carry that attitude and exercise um, into the rest of our life? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, so I think that what I encourage people to do, if there's any area of their life that they don't love, like they don't feel they're thriving in, you know, that could be an area of um, their relationship with food, or it could be an area of like their relationship with another person. It could be area of finances or work, any kind of any, anything you want to create change in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What I encourage people to do is to start with their relationship with it on more of an internal basis. So to, instead of working out, let's work in first. Mm. So let's look at what are the energies surrounding this issue? Because you can pretty much know the areas where you have truth-based beliefs are the areas where your life is going to feel like flow and the areas where you have false beliefs or negative beliefs or stuck energy are the areas where your life feels stuck. Mm. So that's kind of how we know, right? Mm -hmm. So the areas where things are stuck are the areas where um, we just need to to bring, uh, we need to bring that lightness to it. We need to bring the new energy to it. So if we do the inner work first, so for example, we, you know, we clear the blocks and, and you could use lots of different modalities for it. I love the, the tapping meditation, heart coherence combination, just because I think it touches the different elements that need to be worked on. Mm-hmm. It gets you all the way across the bridge, so to speak. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I, I really love that process. But any kind of modality that communicates to the nervous system, it has to get deeper than just the conscious mind, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of people think, if I know it, I should be able to do it. (laughs) And that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, It will get stuck in the iceberg above above Mm -hmm. the surface. You'll never be able to dive off and and really get into the entire iceberg, which is your entire body and subconscious Mm -hmm. mind, right? And subconscious. So if we start with changing the energy and whatever modalities you want to use to change the energy, if you start with that and then you surrender the outcome, like you really open your heart to not getting, not doing the same thing that you've done, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. You're like, maybe I need to look at this in a different way. And I tell people all the time, the number one nutrient needed for health is just openness. Mm. You know, whether that's uh, physical health or emotional health. I mean, openness with discernment, of course, right? But but openness to looking at things a different way. Mm-hmm. Openness to maybe new tools or new modalities that can help them. Um, if you If you're just open, then... there's a chance that you can shift this energy. And once you shift that energy, you really like things will come, will fall into place in ways that you can't imagine. Right. But we're, we're blocked off because Mm -hmm. we're like, yeah, like I was, you know, in my twenties where I'm like, the only way I can fix this eating disorder is through prayer and nutrition. Right. Mm -hmm. I was stuck. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's as far as I can get. And I'm frustrated. And I keep begging God to heal me when he's like, no, I'm actually leading you 
to something life-giving. So I just encourage people to to work to be open and to work, do the inner work first, mm. you know, um, because there's lots of books out there about how to change habits. You know, some I really love, some I really don't love, but but there's lots of tools uh, that can help on a practical level. But what lots of people aren't talking about is the spiritual art of change, right? Which is shifting the energy, working through those blockages, mm-hmm. having a new vision and inspiration. And then really learning how to surrender that outcome so the right people or situations can come to you at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's like the magic of our spiritual life, right? Mm-hmm. Is is this like, wow, how's God going to show up for me today? Mm-hmm. How is What's going to pop into my life today that's going to... Uh, to take me in this new direction, mm-hmm. you know, it's really fun and it, it, it's, it's uh, inspiring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've really been um, touching on kind of the, the Holy spirit and how that a big part of how the Holy spirit talks to us is through our bodies. Our body is the temple, which the Holy spirit resides in, but also God, God is in, is in everything. And so mm-hmm. how can we be open to how is the Holy spirit talking to us? Um, through other people, through our body, through our life circumstances, just infinite ways, really. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, I'll just give my thoughts on this because I know that, you know, everyone maybe has a different lens. So I encourage people to take whatever they want to take from it and flick away anything Mm -hmm. that doesn't resonate. But where I'm at with this is I feel like we've gotten a lot more boxy Mm -hmm. with God than we need to. Yeah. And um, we really need to um, consider extricating ourselves from a dualistic kind of ideology mm-hmm. into a much more integrated and whole ideology around God, right? So I, what this means for a lot of people is um, we've boxed God into um, not just maybe church, like when I go to church, I'm connected to God, mm-hmm. or... Um, into certain quote unquote spiritual practices like prayer mm-hmm. or worship, you know, or, you know, Bible reading. Um, there is this separation between church and life, right? Mm-hmm. Or church and health or God mm-hmm. and health. And and I noticed this early on um, and, and it really kind of frustrated me. It made mm-hmm. me very uncomfortable because I just felt like I, I've experienced that God can be in in many things, mm-hmm. right? That God is in us and all around us and is not up there, out there somewhere. It's mm-hmm. more so integrated. Mm-hmm. And the farther down this path I go, the more I I see this integration of the Holy Spirit being um, present in and through everything. Yeah. So it gets really fun when you start to think about like, what if this, this um, quantum field that like Dr. Joe Dispenza yeah. talks about what if that quantum field is really the spiritual mm. field, right? Yeah. And we can learn how to connect with it and tap mm-hmm. into it, right? It's not a force like a separate from the person of God, but it's an it's a an aspect, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, there could be lots of ideologies. I don't want to like you know um, uh, tamper with anyone's like sacred cows or anything mm-hmm. like that. These are just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what if, you know, like we we found that there's this, you know, science has shown that there is an energy in everything, right? Mm-hmm. So you have things that are man-made that are going to be vibrating at a lower frequency and they're more dead, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 
but then you get things that are alive and they're vibrating at a higher frequency. Those things are very life-giving. They have mm. a life force energy, right? You could call it chi or prana or um, just energy. It mm-hmm. doesn't really matter what the word is. The thing it's the the thing itself is the same. It's mm-hmm. a vibration. And so um, I'm, I just finished a course recently with one of my mentors, Natalia Rose, who is just one of the most brilliant uh, teachers out there, I think. And she is really good at at looking at the body through the lens of energy hmm. and um, understanding how food and and uh, the energetics of food mm-hmm. and the energetics of the body. So she's mm-hmm. not looking at it so much in terms of you know calories and um, fat grams and like more of that medical model. She's looking at it like what's the energy of the food hmm. and what's going on energetically in the body to be mm-hmm. able to receive that food. Yeah, I've I've heard that. You know, like how, like, like if a animal is traumatized while dying, you know that that fear that shoots through them. You can, when you eat that, it'll it'll affect you to some degree. Yeah, yeah. So there's a really interesting thing about that because you know animals who are conventionally you know processed, um, there there's not a lot of care obviously taken for them in general. Right. There's some real problems with obviously our feedlots and mm-hmm. the conventional way of, of meat mm-hmm. being, um, you know, what is that book? Uh, there's a book on that. Yeah. I think there's several that are yeah. super good on this, yeah. but yeah, the, but, but the, um, adrenaline, the fear energies that course through them right before they're slaughtered, mm-hmm. they're present in the animal right. along with all the hormones mm-hmm. and the additives and all mm-hmm. those things that are not great for our body. So when we're ingesting that, we're ingesting not just the physical elements, but we're ingesting the energy of mm-hmm. it, the energy energetic elements. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and that's not to put fear in anyone. That's <laughs> just to say that might give you an insight as to if you were to go from a standard American diet to a, to eating foods that are very high in life force energy, you would probably notice an mm-hmm. energetic shift if you did nothing else. Right. Yeah. I, I can, I can just tell like uh, bananas, like when I eat normal bananas, it kind of makes my throat itch, but I eat organic bananas and I don't feel that and it feels great. Exactly. Yeah. So your system is probably fairly sensitive yeah, I to additives. <laughs> yeah. And some people really are. They can sense it mm-hmm. and they're just more more aware generally or their body is more sensitized. Mm-hmm. And they might be like, man, I wish it wasn't that way. But it's actually a really good thing because if your body's like, mm, I want to hold. I want you to hold to this line. It just means that you're gonna you're gonna be able to access that mm-hmm. higher energy yeah, a faster. Yeah, because I do feel energy in my body very often, and, and it, I don't think that's a very common thing either. So yeah, exactly. And just learning how to work with it, learning mm-hmm. how to allow it to build, and then knowing how to ground that right. energy so that it doesn't like kind of make you spacey or right. make you feel like, whoa, I'm I'm in the heavenly places, but I can't <laughs> get to work on time, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think that there there needs to be a much more of an integration in terms of the way that we see God and the Holy Spirit in very practical aspects of our life. Not just, um, you know, uh, if you go to church or in your worship or in your connection and relationship with God, but how that integrates into what you eat, how you eat, your exercise your relationships Mm -hmm. your mindsets around Mm -hmm. yourself like becoming more conscious about every part of your life and how that affects you absolutely yeah Yeah. and and i i um obviously i came from a very conservative christian background so i can you know 
I have both a gratitude for it and I have um, criticism mm-hmm. for the the areas of um, unhealth, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I found is that that kind of, that background unfortunately can be very fear-based, mm-hmm. which we're, we're just not meant to live in fear. Mm-hmm. Again, meant to live right. with discernment, mm-hmm. but fear is so bad for the body. Yeah, and it was funny because they almost can... Uh, it's like they're trying to be aware of everything, but they're doing it in a way of fear. Whereas maybe the other side is, um, we don't want to live in fear. So we're not going to be as mindful about everything. (laughs) Exactly. You can definitely pendulum swing. Right. Yeah. Like I don't want to live in fear. So I'm going to just like throw caution to the wind. Yeah. And I think that that's why, um, being able to open the different centers of intelligence in the body and know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, activating your discernment, knowing what that feels like. For example, um, when I was fairly young, I was probably like nine or 10, I had a really great first experience with my gut intuition, mm. like just a knowing. Mm-hmm. It was like, an, my, my mentor would call it, it's your knower. You mm-hmm. have a knower, you have a feeler, and you have a thinker, you know? So your knower just knew beyond any reason for knowing. Mm-hmm. Like you just knew something. Mm-hmm. And I had that pretty early on. I started to try to develop this like knowing mm-hmm. that is beyond reason. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not a feeling mm-hmm. it's, it's devoid of feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, this, this inner, this inner knowing is a super important part of our ability to make decisions from an intuitive level mm-hmm. to make spiritually like accurate decisions. Mm-hmm. And I went through a relationship in my early thirties where my heart was was wide open. Like my heart mm. was just like super open. But my gut intuition kept saying like, this is not good. Mm. Like this is not healthy mm-hmm. for you, you know? And I really ignored my gut and kept like tuning into the heart. Now the heart is super intelligent. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. But it needs the balance right. of the gut intuition and the mind intuition, right? Mm. Um, so all of these centers of intelligence need to be opened in mm. our decision making. Yeah. And many times people will be much more, um, they'll be very mental, mm-hmm. but they won't have connection to their mm-hmm. heart. Yeah, that's kind of the Western model of focusing exactly. on the mental. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're going to rationalize. We're mm-hmm. going to look at this logically and practically. Nothing wrong with that. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. You just need to balance right. the other centers of intelligence. So I think when it comes to not pendulum swinging, not throwing caution to the wind, and and being open to new things, uh, learning how to balance that knowing the feeling and the thinking mm-hmm. and using all the centers of intelligence, yeah. if at all possible, will serve you mm-hmm. really well, mm-hmm. you know? So in, I think that it is very important for us to, to, to keep learning the tools to unlock that mm-hmm. so that, that we, we can avoid, I mean, if we make a mistake, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. God is in and around us all the time. There's redemption and restoration. Anytime that I've gotten off track, God's always gotten me back on track mm-hmm. and restored and redeemed. And it's been great. But like, if we want to avoid like the pitfalls or the detours or whatever, mm-hmm. the more we're attuned to that intelligence, the easier it is, mm-hmm. you know, to avoid that. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why I love the Enneagram. Um, and I've had a podcast about, I don't want to get too much into that, but you know, there's the, the feelers, the thinkers and, um, yeah, the the guts, the gut. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're all important and they all have their, their, um, areas of strength and weaknesses. And so this just helps you 
kind of understand the relationship and, and the, the person I was in that. So yeah, that's great. Um, Oh, uh, with, uh, with, with dance and, and the creative arts, I, I, I really appreciate those. And, uh, I think one of my creative or the, the main ways I'm creative is writing. And I'm actually a little jealous of, 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 uh, people like dancers or, um, music or art, whatever. Cause I, I think that that connects even more with the, the intuition of that or the something deeper than words, you know, something that the, there is more space for what is reality or, or expression um, because words can only capture so much. Hmm. So interesting. I've always wanted to be a really great writer. So be <laughs> grateful that you can write. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, who knows? You might have more aspects that, you know, of that sort of movement piece of it that you can explore, you know? Mm. So yeah, yeah, that, that's true. I, I, again, don't want to limit myself, but yep. I, I guess I want to, uh, extend appreciation for mm. that type of creative expression. And I think yoga kind of taps into that to some degree as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And definitely dance, you know, like my sister, Laura is the, one of the most artistic, creative and my sister-in-law, Katrina, you know, mm. very artistic, creative in, in terms of, of expressing through movement, mm-hmm. like spiritual truth. And I love that. Um, I'm not called to be a dancer, but you know, it, it's really cool, uh, to not only get to watch it, but also, you know, for people who get to do it, it's, it's one way. It's another way to kind of, to move energy, to clear mm-hmm. blockages, yeah. to yeah. express. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wanted to zoom out a little bit. If, if, I was wondering if, um, kind of when you were younger and, um, talk about the body image and we talked about how culture, you know, gives us this, um, you know, ideal of like what the body should be and beauty and all that stuff. Um, do you think purity culture, Christian purity culture also played into that? Oh, wow. That's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just drop that bomb in there. <laughs> yeah. This is not premeditated. So we'll see what comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I I do have a respect for um, the intent behind purity right. culture. Uh, I'm not a fan, you know, um, and the reason being is I think it's shame based. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of, um, at least for me, I like my, my number one challenge uh, in terms of of emotional blockage would be shame. Mm, and yeah, shame, same. as you know, Brene Brown talks about this mm-hmm. a lot. She talks about how guilt says, I did something bad, but shame says, I am bad, mm. right? So in my theophostic sessions, we really had to like, like kind of tap into that and uncover that that's what it was because I didn't even know it existed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know that it was at play, in my uh, nervous system and in my beliefs. So shame was really powerful. And if you believe that there's something wrong with you and that you are bad, you Mm -hmm. will believe that you're going Mm -hmm. to do something bad. And your body's bad. And Mm -hmm. your body's bad, right. So in terms of a healthy relationship with sexuality and in terms of a healthy relationship with these, you know, sexual drives that we have and in terms of relationship with your own body, that has to be healed, right? Mm -hmm. That has to be Mm -hmm. looked at and not um, sort of... uh, you know, I think lots of people think this is an uncomfortable, maybe inconvenient conversation. So let's just, let's put that one off to the side and maybe circle back at someday at some time. Mm. But it has to be addressed because if shame is not addressed, nothing, like shame is sort of um, 
not to get on a, off on a rabbit trail, but developmentally, when a child is uh, from, from about zero to, to two, or you know, when a child is born, all the way up till about two years old, um, that is the the sort of developmental time that shame can be introduced. Mm. So there's a natural, um, there's naturally in a developmental level, kids are just learning how to be in a body. Mm. They're a spirit that's trying to learn how to be in a body. And they're like, what's going on? You know? (laughs) This is new. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do I do with all this? You Mm. know? And, And how do I navigate it? And so I think if a parent is living in fear or they have their own shame, they can definitely, um, reinforce that in a child and if a child grows up believing like my body's bad or these things that I'm feeling are bad, there's something wrong with me, then you add on top of that the purity culture of um, here are these rigid rules mm-hmm. of how you need to operate with the opposite gender. Um, and you really need to, you know, save sex for marriage and you need to um, make Dress sure that way. you're... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I know that there's some really healthy, there's some right. healthy structures mm-hmm. that I would say like, I held to when I was, you know, dating and all of that, but there, but it doesn't need to be driven by shame, guilt, mm-hmm. or fear. Mm-hmm. It needs to be driven by what is actually healthy, right? Mm-hmm. What's a healthy way of relating with the opposite gender? What's a healthy way of relating with your own body? Mm-hmm. So if you don't work with the shame and guilt um, or the shame-based kind of ideologies, then you actually, it actually can pendulum swing you the other way, which is kind of what happened to me for a short season where it it took me kind of on a ride. Like it was like there was suppressed stuff that I didn't even know was there. Mm-hmm. It took me on this ride and I was just like, oh my gosh, what is happening mm-hmm. here? So I think what we suppress will come back to bite mm-hmm. us unless we mm-hmm. will unless we actually like know how to work with it. We'd actually confront it. Right. Yeah. I the, I don't know if you know about it. there is like a uh the 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 stereotype or the archetype of the homeschooler that's been very yeah, um, yeah. suppressed. And, and then yeah. when they finally grew up, <laughs> <laughs> they just swing. They fly off the handle. Yeah. Oh, I know. We talk about this and we laugh about it. We're like, there's the homeschool and then there's like the, the homeschool, right? Yeah. I can, I can joke about it because I was one for sure. And um, I think my parents were trying to not like, mm-hmm. they were trying to not be that kind of, um, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Rigid, yeah. But, um, but you know, I think that that there's definitely. Uh, here's how I experienced it: um, parents so much want their kids to be set apart, hmm. and they so much want their kids to be um, to to really be able to to find out who they are, and they really want to to pull them away from culture. Right. We had what I call, we call a separatist culture. Yeah. The world is bad and yeah. we are, it's us against right. the world. And we're safe here. And we're safe here. Yeah. <laughs> and so it can get really easy, not only to um, not really know how to integrate with the world, mm-hmm. to be like a hothouse plant where you only thrive in one environment, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, and, and really not know how to handle some of these things. Um, and so I think it's just really it's, it's really important to, to create environments, if, especially if a kid is homeschooled, to create environments where there's really open conversation about things. There's mm-hmm. exposure to yeah. things. There's, there is a navigating through things or else they will not survive, right? right They'll right. pendulum swing. They won't know what to do with all the stuff out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't try to make them a hot house plant. And then when they're 18 put them outside and mm. expect them to thrive. Right. You can't really do that. Mm-hmm. You have to slowly 
help them know how to navigate the world, you know? Yeah. Um, so the other thing that that, that cu- culture can do is it can also create a very judgmental kids. Mm-hmm. Kids are like, everyone else out there is doing it wrong and yeah. we're doing it right. right. And I'm like, we got to watch out for that, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are some of my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah maybe that's for. like a that's like a topic for like a whole podcast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we could talk about a lot of things. Right, right. Fun. Oh, that was great. No, okay. Was well, there anything that um, we haven't talked about, that haven't covered, that you wanted to get into? Yeah, only one more thing that I think is important um, in the topic of making friends with your body. Um, I'm a really big fan of what I call intuitive eating. So when it comes to mm. nutrition, eating food. There's a lot of diets out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and lots of structures that have been sort of set up to try to bring you back to uh, some sort of homeostasis and some sort of centeredness and some sort of health, right? But what I'm a really big fan of is the integration of learning how to clear away the things, the foods that could be really confusing to your body. So I, I eat all the standard American diet foods and, you know, the, the, um, toxic processed foods so that there's not a lot of clutter uh, in in your diet, but to really begin to make friends with your body in terms of listening to it rather than bossing it around. Mm. So when someone comes to me and they want to talk about diet and nutrition, I've got lots of things I would love to say about that, but the first thing I'm going to do is really look at not forming, trying to get a person to conform to a particular diet, Mm -hmm. but helping that person understand how they're wired Mm. and connect them to Mm. how to, how to notice how foods feel in their body, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's a whole doorway in itself to making friends with the body. Yeah. What I'm, I'm, I'm going blank right now. What is that Hindu, uh, um, there's like different body types. And oh, Ayurveda. Ayurveda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ayurveda is awesome. And it's one among many different um, tools to help people understand the way that they're wired. Right. So we look at blood type. Mm-hmm. We look at, you know, obviously there's there's age and there's gender and there's background. And uh, there is um, kind of level of activity. But there's, you know, the body composition types like the, you know, in, in Ayurveda and in Chinese medicine. So you're looking at uh, balancing out, mm. you know, the the imbalances in the body. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Ayurveda is looking at it from the perspective of like... Um, comparing body types to to like the elements right. like water earth mm-hmm. fire and air mm-hmm. and uh, so that can help people kind of understand mm-hmm. what's going on inside them mm-hmm. give them tools it's a piece it's a piece mm-hmm. not the whole thing right so just a little piece and uh, blood types a little piece mm-hmm. um, you know for women the hormones is a really important piece mm-hmm. because hormonally women tend to work like in a circle right. and guys tend to work in more of a straight line mm-hmm. so there's some there's some fluctuation with that for men but it's not near as like clear as for mm-hmm. a woman. So getting clear on some of those elements and then just noticing like how how do how does food feel in my body? Mm-hmm. That's a way to connect. Mm. But what we tend to do is get stuck up in our head and we've got this diet culture it's like okay, here's the food I need to eat at this time of day and here's how much. Well what we've done is we've gotten stuck in the head and we're following this script mm-hmm. rather than learning how to be embodied right. and feel. Right. Cuz it could on. change some and it depends on 
many factors. So you have to be more intuitive and flexible depending on what the body needs at yes. what time. Exactly. So I tell people like structure and flow. So structure is here are the non-negotiables of foods that I won't eat because I know they confuse my system. Mm-hmm. And the non-negotiable is a food I want to make sure I'm having every day, like live foods and for me, green juices and mm-hmm. things like that. And then um, foods, and then there's the flow, which is when you're eating, how much you're eating, what your body's needing. There's lots of flow in there. Mm-hmm. You want to have a solid structure and have flow. And and But I think if people will embrace some level of intuitive eating, that's a doorway to a greater relationship with mm-hmm. your body and yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's great. Awesome. Cool. But I think that was it. That was yeah. on my list. Well, thank you so much. We've covered a whole lot. Um, great, great stuff. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Thanks, Kendall. This has been really fun. I haven't, again, gotten to uh, just sort of be stream of consciousness in terms uh-huh. of a conversation about some of this stuff. So really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And uh, I can just, you know, tell that you have so much um, joy and energy about you that um, I think that people work with you, they, they can tell that you're, you're living the, you're, you're walking the talk. And so I appreciate, appreciate you. Thanks. And thanks for just making space for this time and asking great questions. Yeah.